Taylor Walker from the Abbey Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GRS Giants. It's Brad Ebert from Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome to the number eight player in this year's 50 Most Relevant. It's GWS defender Lockie Whitfield. Yeah, makes the top ten of the 50 Most Relevant, and we're going to discuss exactly why in a moment. Joining me from the coaches panel to talk about Lockie Whitfield, I've got Ben. Hello, mate. How's your day treating you so far? Very well, mate. Very well, mate. It's a bit earlier than usual, so <laughs> looking forward to it. <laughs> Fair enough, too. Look, last year saw a, a surprising move to the halfback flank for Lockie Whitfield. It did prove and provide some huge dividends for the former number one draft pick. And it looks like now that we have him as a new defensive option in 2019, that scoring ceiling of potential could put him as among one of the best defenders in 2019. Still just 24 years old, and his best score last year in AFL Fantasy came against the Tigers. It was a 150. Ended up averaging 100, and in AFL Fantasy, he's going to set you back 726,000, while around about 10,000 cheaper in AFL Dream Team. For Supercoach, his best score came against the Carlton Football Club at a 141, and an average just ever so close to the 100 marker, a 99.9. Ben, we're talking about a player who, at a junior level, showed this elite endurance, this elite running, high-quality user of the ball, and now he's translated that into an all-Australian season last year. Just an endurance machine, sublime user of the ball, and he just does not stop moving and getting on the outside of clearances, and then last year, creating space and great use of the ball out of defensive 50. Yeah, he's pretty talented, isn't he? I mean, the fact that he can go back and he can do that, he can do it through the wing, he's just absolutely elite. I mean, one of the the primary skill sets, the the reason behind him going at pick one was the fact that he's so efficient when he kicks inside forward 50. Mm. In fact, I would would probably say that is his best skill. And obviously, he did that much less in um, 2018. But when he goes back to the wing, which is what I I probably predict happens this year with the inclusion of Zach Williams, I mean, he's just going to be as damaging. So, no, terrific player. And um, we obviously saw that He's capable of doing it in a couple of positions, which, honestly, that's a, a skill set that every coach in the AFL would love to have. Look, he gives so much versatility to the side. And as you mentioned, the, the injury to um, Zach Williams last year created this kind of hole in their defensive six unit after trading away Nathan Wilson in the same season. And so he finds a way from becoming what was really known as just a wingman, finds a way to reinvent himself and become one of the best halfback flanks and options in fantasy football last year. Uh, he ended up ranking third in the entire AFL for total marks. The only players that took more dukes of the ball last year than him, a couple of handy eagles, Shannon Hearn and McGovern. Not too bad company. He ranked he ranked 10th in the entire AFL for disposals and 5th for uncontested possessions. And while he does have a contested component to his game... That's where you want Lockie Whitfield picking up the ball, isn't it, Ben? Yes, I know he averaged um, six contested possessions a game, but where you want Lockie getting the ball is you want him not being the first touch in the contest. You want him being the player that by foot is either getting your team into an attacking position up through the wings, through the flanks, or you want him, as you said, delivering the ball deep inside 50 to that talented GWS forward line. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, career average-wise, I think he's had about 75% has been uncontested possessions throughout his career. So, you know, we're looking at a guy that does the damage on the outside of the contest. He's almost the polar opposite. If you wanted another midfielder, you'd say polar opposite to Tom Mitchell. They just do two very different things. Um, you've got a guy that really his skill set is the utilization of the ball and that run and carry. So, look, I mean, that, that probably brings us on to the next point of we really don't want to see him marked too harshly because it's it's much more difficult for a, an outside win, midfielder to win his own ball. We we saw him last year. He averaged about 23% of, his, um, of all his possessions were contested. Mm. So um, that was down on sort of last couple of years where it was more around that 30% marker. But obviously the role changed, but he, he is someone that definitely is more inclined to win it on the outside. And of course, the coaching staff want him to do so because if you've got a Rolls Royce, you don't necessarily want them to be cramped up and you know getting hit yeah. every so often and not being able to do the damage that they, they're so able to do. Yeah, certainly. From a fantasy football perspective, he scored 12 AFL fantasy and dream team tons. Half of those are over the 120 marker. While in Supercoach, 11 scores of 100 or more. Not as big a ceiling in that format in terms of consistency. Uh, just the three scores over the 120 marker. But he does boast a ceiling because he's got this ability to go on runs that then when we talk about the defensive options we've got this year, we've already highlighted in the 50 most relevant. We're at the number eight, so maybe there's room for one more. Maybe there's room for one more. But we've talked about guys like Rory Laird yesterday and how even though you could create some elements of question marks around him, you know he's going to be right near the top. Similar with Witherden, Simpson, Sicily have all been recently highlighted in the 50 most relevant. Whitfield's got a similar ceiling to some of these names, and if you don't have him when he's in the midst of those scoring runs, he can absolutely tear you apart. Just last year, between round 10 and round 21, he had just the one score under 90 across all formats. He averaged 109 in Supercoach during that period of time and 114 in AFL Fantasy. He's got that ceiling about him that you know if he gets five, six, seven, eight games on a run, which he's proven he can do not just last year, but numerous times across his career, he can very quickly boost you in the rankings or cost you in them. Absolutely. I mean, um, over the last, I think, seven or eight games, he goes over 120 in four of them. Yeah. So um, truly amazing. I mean, we're looking at that game against Richmond, career-best game from a Dream Team point of view, where he gets 150 points, 35 touches, 12 marks, six tackles. That's that's sort of the stat line that he can produce um, when he's allowed to run and do his own do his own thing. Obviously, it was sensational when he moved to that wing role across the two finals. Yeah. So Zach Williams obviously came back into the into the team come the final series, and Whitfield immediately moved to the wing, which is probably the main reason we think that's what's going to happen in 2019. But yeah, he had a 29 touch game against. Sydney, first round, 120 Dream Team, 130 Supercoach, does the very similar sort of stat numbers, uh, Dream Team and Supercoach-wise in the semi-final against the Pies, getting 31 touches. So, look, he, he's just a terrifically talented player. And, um, look, if, he, if he's allowed to run free in 2019, I, I think we're going to see even better numbers from him. Yeah, I think that's the case. You do make that great point. Uh, once Zach Williams came back into the side, 
he moves straight back to the role he played in 2017 and years prior where he was the wingman. In 2017, he played 15 games coming back from an AFL-imposed suspension, uh, six tons uh, in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, half of them 120s, a similar sort of ratio there, while in Supercoach, five tons and two of them 120s. I-, I think you're right. I truly believe that because Zach Williams is now fit and firing him back into the side, that Lockie Whitfield returns back to the wing, back to the outside, even more so needed now without the likes of Tom Scully and Dylan Shield, both who created such great run through that midfield, both different types of players to Lockie Shaw. But there is a desperate need in that GWS midfield for someone that just is going to run all day between the 50-meter arcs and just create um, opportunities and get out of jail free moments um, for that in and under midfield of the GWS football club. So I, I agree, man. I think Zach Williams back into the side means Lockie comes up the ground. Two things about that, though. One, he's not going to get any of those kick-in bumps that we know a number of our defensive options are. Sicily, Witherden, Simpson, uh, teammate Heath Shaw, um, among many, many others that people are considering this year, they're going to get an element of scoring um, boosts because there's the new kick-in rule where now pretty much every opportunity to get the ball out from uh, behind, they're going to get a chance to put some fantasy scores on the board. The second thing that I have a concern about, and that's because he's moving up the ground, is without Dylan Shield, what do opposition sides do in form of a tag? Because we started to see, Ben, opposition teams kind of going back to a tag after not really seeing it in 2017. The tagger came back in a big way for a lot of clubs last year. Yeah, they're two, they're two pretty uh, sizable concerns with him. So that first one, that that kick-in thing, I think that's going to be a really huge game-changer hmm. um, for one of a much better term, obviously. That's much overused. But, yeah, I mean, I think we were looking at, we were speaking about Sicily. That's the last podcast I was on. And I, I realistically think he can add another eight to ten points just with that rule change. But Lockie Whitfield does not take kick-ins. Um, hmm. I, don't, I don't project that he's going to take very many in 2019. So immediately you're thinking, well, geez, you know, Jake Lloyd... James Sicily, Alex Witherden, probably a bunch of other names that I'm not even mentioning here. Yeah. That they're, they're all going to get a little bit of a boost, you know. Um, he's so he's immediately having to probably add another five points at least just to maintain his status in that you know in that echelon of defenders right yeah. now. And then on top of that, you know, he's he's someone that is obviously prone to receiving a tag and not doing so well when he does get the tag. So I think. You were saying before he's had four tags in, um, in 2018 and didn't score over 100 in Dream Team. Yeah, so he got tagged on four times. Again, predominantly off the halfback, but his Dream Team and AFL Fantasy scores in the game, he received some level of tag. was a 65, a 66, a 67, and then a 51. That was his Dream Team and AFL Fantasy scores while in Supercoach, 64, 89, 90, and 61. Those were rounds three to five, and then the final round uh, of of the year in the home and away uh, against Melbourne uh, where Alex Neil Bullen went and, and very effectively shut him down. And so that's the question mark with him is if he's moving up to the wing, certainly he's not going to get the um, the forward tag, but you do have such a stacked GWS midfield. And the dilemma for coaches, if they do have a negating style of midfielder, 
is do you try to prevent someone like a Josh Kelly um, and limit his impact on the game, who's got such a great in and outside component to him? Or do you purely try to stop the guy who's exclusively on the outside, like a Lockie Whitfield, and just completely rule him null and void in the game? That'll be the dilemma, not just for opposition coaches, but the concern for fantasy coaches, because he's shown, at least up until this point in his, his career, when he's tagged, He's going to score like a rookie. That's it. And let's preface that by saying, you know, this doesn't need to happen on a weekly basis for it to be an unsuccessful opening, uh, you know, starting selection. Mm. Because say he gets tagged two out of the first six weeks, which is, you know, quite possible. And he produces, you know, 60s in that time uh, across the competition as well. You know that if he if he does that back to back games, well, that's him. His rolling average is really going to drop in price, even if he's scoring well outside of that. So, you know that there, there is the possibility of picking him up a little bit cheaper if that does, in of course, happen. And I, I tend to think that um, clubs are going to look at Josh Kelly and and Whitfield on a weekly basis, and it it will probably be a fifty fifty between those two. I, I think that um, if there was someone who's more likely to be taken out of the game with a tag, I think it is Whitfield. I think Kelly can do a lot. Obviously, he can play as an inside midfielder. He's probably more suited to playing as a general midfielder, whether that's inside or outside. But, of course, he can also go up forward and he can kick goals and and the like. And that's something that Whitfield hasn't really demonstrated. He probably doesn't have that that body type of winning a lot of, like, contested... uh, type possession so and that's been backed up in his numbers so you tend to think that Whitfield is someone who might struggle on the tag he's obviously going to run his opponent ragged so mm. you're going to have to have a very fit um aerobic person to, to work with him and but I I yeah I tend to think that this is a, a distinct possibility and it's a reason why you know not that anyone particularly cares about my team but he, he hasn't really been factoring in there too much for me because I just think at some stage in the season, he's going to be a lot more, a lot cheaper than he is now, and I, I think he's definitely an upgrade target. I can't foresee a circumstance where I don't have him in my team come round twenty three, um, other than of course if he's injured. But yeah. yeah, he's someone that I think is going to provide. He's going to prove to be a cheaper price than what he is at this stage. Yeah, look, I, I think I agree with you. For me, right now, he's one of my primary defensive upgrade targets that isn't in the starting squad at the moment, um, but he's definitely someone, when I hit that final round 23 line marker, if he's fit and firing at this stage, he's right in the mix for someone I want to bring in. Uh, for those of you that are concerned or curious about how his fixture opens up and what potential taggers may come his way, uh, they open up their season account against Essendon, who, who notoriously don't choose to use a tagger, at least uh, up Till this point in time, historically, round two, they take on the Eagles. That's where a Mark Hutchings is certainly going to come into his own. Likely against Whitfield, my belief, but certainly it could come to Kelly. Richmond don't really tag. Um, Geelong do have a, a Scott Selwood, um, so there may be an option. Fremantle have used Bailey Banfield at times, but again, not that you know full, well-known negating stopper. Then round six, Sydney. Round seven, St Kilda. Round eight, Hawthorne. Round nine, Carlton. And then for the first 10 weeks, uh, round off against the Melbourne Football Club. So there, there are some certainly some well-known um, negating midfielders, certainly not the, the Ben Jacobs, Hutchings exclusive, I'm going to focus only on you and not the ball um, type of player. But 
there, there's this kind of a scattering of defensive midfielders layered throughout there that I think Lockie's going to, um, if he can take his game to a new level and work through the tag with the endurance and just great uh, aerobic capacity that he has, then we're going to see him do what I believe he will do, which is a, a mid to high 90s score um, and certainly worth considering. But like you, Ben, I, I've got a few concerns about where I'm going to choose to have him in my side. It's a question of when um, I get to bring him in, not if I'm going to bring him in. It sounds like you're in a similar spot. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think a, another point to, to bring up, obviously we're still a few weeks away from the JLT series, but I'll be really interested to see if he scores well in that GLT series, how people start to view him differently. Yeah. Because I really don't think... We, we know he's an ultra-fit player that's had... I think he's he's been fairly healthy this preseason, yeah. if I'm not wrong. Yeah, from all yeah. reports. So, so he's doing well in the preseason. I would not be surprised if he comes out in one of the GLT series games and gets a 30-touch, 120-type score. I don't believe that that should be changing your selection decisions. Um because no one's going to tag in the JLT series, firstly. No. It's not going to be a realistic representation of what's going to happen come round one. And we all know that Lockyer Whitfield, when he isn't tagged, when he doesn't have much uh, opposition pressure on him, he will destroy every single game of footy. He's a fantastic footballer when he's allowed to roam free. And obviously, the JLT series is going to be very conducive to that, especially mm. because he's a naturally fit player that um, you know some of the other guys are have to get a couple of games in themselves before they they get up and running so i would not be surprised if he comes out and absolutely destroys the jlt series and his ownership goes through the roof Mm. um for no real like logical reason i think you probably want a better word than that but yeah just keep just for our listeners keep an eye out for that because um that could be a potential potential limiting decision for you there yeah, no, I think you're pretty much spot on that one. Let, let's talk about drafts, where he goes. Uh, now that he does have that defensive status, he's certainly going to go earlier in seasonal and keeper league drafts than he had done previously. There is a trend um, of defenders, especially the top tier or top couple of tier defenders, um, going really early in drafts. I'd feel really uncomfortable uh, with selecting Lockie Whitfield um, inside the top 15 selections. Uh, I have a number of defenders I've think will be a bit better than him uh, at this point in time, or that I've got a bit more faith in. That said, he's probably got one of the best fantasy ceilings of all our defenders this year, so if he's free to go, you could get yourself a bargain. I think the second round would probably be as early as I'd feel comfortable getting Lockie Whitfield, certainly not a top-round selection. But like we said, we're seeing defenders go really early in mock drafts right across the community, and probably if you do want to get Lockie Whitfield, it is going to cost you a second round pick, maybe an early third. Yeah, I think so. I I don't think I'd be very comfortable taking him in, inside the top twenty selections, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so I've been using the brilliant uh, draft doctors mock draft recently, and just having a little bit of play there, and he, he does seem to go um, in that simulation around the top twenty picks. So you know, I think that's probably a fair estimation. Um, Look, I just think there's there's probably going to be one or two players that might slide in the defenders that suddenly they're going to get an increase because they take a lot of the kick-ins. Um, so you might be able to find a little bit of value um, in comparison to a guy that we we tend to think, look, he, he is only 24. He might have some natural improvement left. Um, and I'm certainly by no means saying that Lockie Whitfield is a bad selection in 
in any of the competitions because I think he's going to be top six at the end of the year and he has fantastic scoring capacity. But um, I just don't think he has as much upside um, as some of the other guys, especially upside that is that is clear to, for all to see. I mean, the, the likelihood of players playing on in comparison to last year is fairly obvious. Like, when it comes to kick-ins, I think it's going to go through the roof. And yeah. someone that doesn't have that up against a group of defenders that that possibly do have that, it's it's just very hard to see how he competes on a improved scoring um, capacity. So, look, I would I would very much want to take him in the third round, but like you, I think he will be gone by then. Yeah, if you can snag him in the third round on the wraparound, maybe an early third selection, then, um, you know, you've, you've started your draft na- nicely in that point. In a keeper league, I, I think it probably goes in a similar perspective in a new one, in an existing one. If you're not, as your season goes on and you find yourself drifting out of contention, this will be the year to sell Lockie Whitfield at a higher status, uh, because I do believe he's moving back into the midfield um, and will lose that defensive status. So if you have him in your side right now, and you then drift out of contention, either with just the rest of your list or bad luck or whatever is the variables, I'd then be considering selling Lockie Whitfield because as a defender, right near that 100 average marker, gosh, he may not get any better in terms of value. Would you consider something similar, Ben? Oh, yeah. I would be. I would almost be thinking about trading him around now. Yeah. Because um, I, I think... Some coaches do and some coaches don't really factor that in. Um, obviously, it's also how you're positioned. If you're not realistically a premiership threat, which I know is difficult for some people to come to that conclusion, but if you can really work that out, then you have a potential huge opportunity. I mean, the number one selection, not to, to go off tangent too much, but I think Sam Walsh is going to be a terrific AFL footballer. So if you can get your hands on some you know, on a great pick like that, I think, Whitfield might well be worth moving on because, as we all know, 100 in the back line is fantastic, but 100 in the midfield is, um, you know, it's it's great, but it's uh, it's certainly run of the mill these days. Um, surprising to say, five, five or ten years ago, it was very much the opposite. But, um, yeah, so I think, honestly, if you've got Whitfield right now, look, move him out towards the end of this season if you're not in premiership contention. Of course, if you're trying to win a flag this year, you hold on. You, you mm. do whatever you can to win a flag win a flag but yeah he, he's the type of guy that has a certain value to the people in the premiership contention whilst you know that more, more likely than not he is not going to keep his defensive eligibility so I mean it, it, the classic sell high buy low you know sell yeah. as high as you can right now yeah no fair enough too hey mate appreciate your thoughts on Lockie Whitfield today Thank you, Matt. If you want to go and check out the article on Lockie, it is at coachespanel.tv, as are all the other player podcasts and articles which you can go and check out. If you've loved the Coaches Panel 50 most relevant up to this point, we'd love you to consider doing two things. One, leave a five-star rating or review and uh, help others get to know and experience the Coaches Panel podcast. Or secondly, you can pledge and become a part of our Patreon, get some exclusive and early access content. And uh, our Patreon's about to get a whole bunch of new surprises, uh, both new and existing ones. So certainly consider jumping on board that. Heading deeper inside the top 10 of the 50 most relevant tomorrow, and another big name in the fantasy footy community drops.